As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room, formerly known as the Locker Room app, guys. Spotify Green Room is a live audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and use. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. Start or join ongoing conversations. Watch games together. React to the biggest news, rumors, and games. And, of course, I host a weekly show every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on the Spotify Green Room. The Bears Talk Underground presents Club 34-7. Be sure and join me. Come through and talk with me live. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link to your Twitter, and join into the group. Follow me to be notified when my room goes live. And, of course, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, is when Club 34-7 uh, hits the air. So be sure to join in on the fun, guys. You don't want to miss it. And be sure to follow me on the uh, on the app so that you'll know anytime that I go live because uh, we'll be doing watch parties during the preseason. We'll be doing uh, knee-jerk reactions during halftime uh, during the season and things like that. Lots to do. This app opens up so many possibilities for interaction between me and you, my loyal audience. So be sure and download the Spotify Green Room app wherever you get your apps. <laughs> What's up, guys? Big week in Bear Land, uh, Bear Nation, whatever we call it these days. And uh, we got the Lions coming into town on Sunday. Uh, we have a big redemption game taking place uh, at Soldier Field. Need to rebound and uh, need to answer. For last Sunday's performance uh, against the against the Browns, and uh, we couldn't be seeing the Lions at a better time, considering that they are not a very good football team. But as you hear me and my good buddy Jeremy Reisman talk about uh, during the show, they are a scrappy team, so they won't just roll over and, and give up on us, and uh, you know let us just steamroll them to the end. I mean, it looked like they were going to let the 49ers do that week one but they instead ended up coming back and, and nearly tying that football game. They were down when I was watching it like 38 to 10 at one point and ended up only losing 41 to 33. I mean, they made a real big late charge. So uh, you got to play all 60 minutes against these guys. And, um, you know, I mean, with the way that they lost on Sunday uh, to the Ravens, it took, a, you know, they, they they bottled up Lamar Jackson, which is something that the Chiefs of all teams couldn't figure out how to do on Sunday Night Football the week before. And it still took a 66-yard Justin Tucker NFL record field goal to, uh, to lose that ball game. So, uh, you know, whereas on paper at the beginning of the season, this you could circle this as an easy win. Uh, you know, looking at the schedule, the Rams, yeah, that's a loss. Home for the Bengals will win that one. Then on the road to Cleveland, eh, probably looking at one and two. When, when you know, when we come home for the Lions, we'll even up 
at two and two. With the way that we played last Sunday, if Nagy is still calling the plays, because as of today, Wednesday, he still hasn't declared who is calling the plays. He just said that they were going to keep that internal, whatever the hell that means. But uh, Olin Krutz made a good point on Twitter saying that if he didn't say, I'm calling the plays, that it probably means he's not. So fingers crossed that that's actually true. But uh, until he comes out and actually says it, that I've given up play calling, we all have a reason to walk into Sunday's game with our buttholes puckered up. It's not going to be a good situation with the way that we played last Sunday and as scrappy and uh, determined as the Dan Campbell has the Lions playing right now. It's not as easy a checkmark win on the schedule as we thought it was when it first came out. And uh, as you hear me explain to Jeremy, the schedule that follows we may not have a chance to be a, a favored team until we see the Lions again on Thanksgiving week number 12. So like the six games that follow between now and our rematch on Thanksgiving Day, we're not going to be favored to win any of them. Our best chance for a win might be Pittsburgh the b- before the bye week um, because for some reason we have Pittsburgh number, but we won't be favored because we're going to be on the road on Monday Night Football for that game. But that is likely our best chance for a win. It's like the, the, the games that follow. And you hear me go through them a couple of times. It gets goddamn ugly after this Sunday. And, you know, all of those teams have the capability to get on us like Cleveland did. So it could be very, very disturbingly bad uh, 2021 if, uh, if Sunday's game against the uh, Browns Hopefully that was just worst case scenario. Hopefully that was nothing went right today, day. And uh, if we lose football games, it'll be more like it was. Hell, I don't even want to say against the Rams because that was just throw shit at the TV awful. But, you know, the aside from those two plays, that's more the football game I would be prepared to endure, I guess, would be a more accurate way of saying that. But anyway. Let's go ahead and bring in our good friend Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit to preview this very, very interesting ball game between the Bears and the Lions. It is the week four preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Welcome to the latest edition of the NFC North Therapy Corner. Uh, I am your host, Larry D, <laughs> supporter of the Chicago Bears. And here in support of my good friend, Jeremy Reisman, who is a supporter of the Detroit Lions, and here to support me as well, because we two sorry bastards are long-term, lifelong supporters of franchise who don't care about us and our feelings. Jeremy, welcome to the couch, sir. Uh, how are you feeling, and how are you feeling about those feelings? Uh, I'm good. Do, do, should I do it like this? Uh, my name is Jeremy Reisman, <laughs> and uh, I'm a Detroit Lions fan. Hi, Jeremy. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it does uh, it does feel like an addiction when it when it when it turns on you the way that it has uh, this year. Uh, we have one win between the two of us, um, and uh, you know, after seeing the way that we performed this past Sunday, I'm surprised that we have the <laughs> one. Uh, you guys, on the other hand, uh, the first three weeks have been unbelievable for you guys. <laughs> Because you look like you're in for a week one thrashing at the hands of the 
San Francisco or San Francisco 49ers. I was going to call them the Giants for some reason. The San Francisco 49ers. And, you know, it's like I'm looking in on it. And, you know, with the Bears playing on Sunday night football, I have Sunday tickets. So I was bouncing around, you know, the, you know, the Lions here and, you know, bouncing around to each game uh, and whatnot. And when I kept checking back in, the score kept getting further and further away from you guys. And then as I'm watching, uh, you know, I, I, I was watching the, the Cincinnati game and I just kept noticing that the score kept getting closer yeah. in Detroit. And I was like, are they going to pull this off? And then finally it comes down 41. What was As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It was like 38 to 10, ended up being 41 to 33. It's like, wow, that's crazy. Fast forward week two, Monday Night Football, Lambeau Field, national TV. You win the first half, 17 to 14. You have the lead going into the half over Green Bay, who's looking for redemption after getting their asses handed to them. Uh, by New Orleans uh, in week one, and you guys, you guys are beating them in the in this first <laughs> half, and then in the second half, twenty one unanswered. Aaron Rodgers comes out thirty five to seventeen, the final score there, and then fast forward to this week, you look like you've solved the Rubik's cube that is Lamar Jackson and the running game uh, against the Ravens. Yeah, when I the last time that I checked the score, they were ahead sixteen. To seven, and then as I'm doing my fourth quarter knee jerk reaction about the end of the Bears game, I it switches over to the Lions game, and you guys are winning, yeah. seventeen to sixteen. I was like, "What the hell's going on here? They were losing two minutes ago. What's going on?" And then, sure enough, the two plays I saw were the play that set up the field goal and the oh. field goal itself. So and, this was your fault. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as you turned in, everything everything collapsed. Yes, there it was. It's my fault that Justin <laughs> Tucker is the greatest kicker of all time and yeah. kicked a 66-yard field goal to uh to 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 win the game for the for the Ravens. I mean, we Bear fans have been on a roller coaster, but we don't have a thing on you guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's unbelievable some of the things that this fan base has seen and whether it's been weird Calls like the Calvin Johnson rule or 10-second runoffs or Aaron Rodgers' Hail Marys, although that's not completely uncommon now, I guess. But, yeah, um, that was the most fascinating thing I have ever seen in live sports. I, I You know, I wasn't there for the, the Hail Mary, but I have to imagine it, it felt something like that because, yeah, mm-hmm. Justin Tucker breaking history and not only making that field goal, but hitting the, the, you know, hitting the goalpost, hitting the crossbar. Yeah. To, it, to just add like a level of drama to it is is something that's just crazy and you know I, I at this point like maybe it's because we're you know 48 72 hours away from it at this point at this point I'm just kind of in awe and and kind of almost appreciative that I was there to witness such a weird unique crazy moment sure. that I'm never going to forget right 
Yeah, I mean, there as a football fan, you have to be that you have to be honored to have been in the presence of something uh, like that. But as a Lions fan, <laughs> holy hell, man! It was like really, really, really sixty-six yards. Sixty. Okay, all right, yeah. that happened. You know, and, but I gotta say, man. Um, you know, it, just looking at the Bears' schedule and what we have coming up between now and when we see you guys again on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. If we don't beat you guys on Sunday, we may not have a chance to win a game until we see you on Thanksgiving. Oof. Because with this football team, we have the Raiders next week, who are 3-0, yeah. and could be 4-0 and by the time we see them in Vegas next weekend. We come home for Green Bay. We go to Tampa to play the Buccaneers. Home for the 49ers, and then on the road to Monday night at Pittsburgh. Now, Pittsburgh is probably a good shot for us because, A, they aren't what they used to be, and, B, for whatever reason, this franchise has had Pittsburgh's number. We Just, just like inexplicably, no matter how good or bad a football team Miami's had, they've always had our number. For whatever reason, we cannot figure out how to beat the Dolphins. For whatever reason, Pittsburgh always succumbs to the Bears. I don't get it, but it happens. I think we have like a 13-1 record against the Steelers. I mean, it's crazy what you know that it is what it is. I mean, also, we only see each other once every four years, but for the, for the series to be that dominant, I mean, yeah. that might be our crazy. best chance to win a game before we see you guys again as far as maybe po- us possibly being favored to win a game because after the Steelers game, bye week, home for the Ravens. So it's like the seven or eight games between us playing this weekend and playing on, on Thanksgiving Day, we might have a chance to win one of them. We're certainly not going to be favored to win any of them until we probably play you guys again. All due respect. No, I mean, none taken, but I mean, we, we were just talking off air. That I mean, that sounds like a great combination of games to potentially, you know, expose your coaching staff further and maybe <laughs> cause ownership to, to make a move there. So, yeah, I, I think you guys have to be happy with that schedule. Well, you know, for for those of us that want it to rip the Band-Aid off and get it over with, absolutely yeah. it is. Right. You know, absolutely it is because of those teams, there's some there's great pass rushes in pretty much all of them. Yeah. You know, I mean, the Raiders have Max Crosby. He's getting after it. Uh, this year, we saw Green Bay, you know, do what they did to Garoppolo uh, on Sunday night, and then you guys saw him up front uh, on Tuesday. Although I don't, did they beat Jared Goff up week two? Uh, the Packers did a pretty good job. The Forty Niners were actually pretty much held in check. Um, that was Panay Sewell's debut, and he did a really, really good job against uh, against Bosa there. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're 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 not what they used to be there in in San Francisco. You know, obviously losing Robert Sala and a couple other coaches on the defensive side of the ball probably takes some getting used to, but obviously still still a pretty formidable defense overall. Right. And then after um, when, we, when we got Tampa and that defense is just ferocious, period, then sure. San Francisco at home. And then yeah. Pittsburgh has T.J. Watt. I mean, hopefully for us he won't be healthy when we play them or whatever is <laughs> going on with, with him, his bumps and bruises or something like that. Maybe he'll sit that one out, but uh, not likely. And uh, you know, then we then we have the Ravens the week after the bye. So, good luck. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there's plenty of room for Nagy to be exposed further as a fool and an incompetent, you know, idiot. Um, you know, I mean, it's one thing for us to 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 succumb to the pass rush 
it's another thing entirely when it's so clear that our offensive line needs help for you to continue to not help them. Right. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, that was the, the, the frustrating part. It's, uh, you know, the thing that, that bugged me the most about us losing to you guys in Soldier Field last year was that it's like I had a way of feeling about it on Sunday. And then Monday I start listening to the podcast and watching the post-game shows and stuff like that. And everybody, from me to my fellow podcasters to Hogan Johns, the beat writers, all the way up to Olin Krutz, Alex Brown, Lance Briggs, former players uh, for the Bears, all of us having the same opinion about what we went wrong, why we weren't doing this, why we weren't doing that. If it's so obvious to so many people, how is Nagy so oblivious to it? And that's the same thing that I was feeling on Monday when I get to, and, you know, obviously I felt a certain way, and then I'm watching all the shows uh, and everything. And this is a national thing for the Bears because of Justin Fields. This yep. is a national story now. Yep. You know, so now it's Rex Ryan and Dan Arlovsky on Get Up on ESPN, uh, Kyle Brandt and company on Good Morning Football, along with all of the other stuff that I would normally be listening to and or, or watching uh, on a Monday, everybody in concert with what went wrong, why didn't he do this? Why it just if it's so obvious to so many people, how is he so goddamn oblivious to it? You know, this is the world that we're living in right now, Jeremy. At least you guys are in year one of what you know is a rebuilding period. True. So but, I give you guys you, go ahead. Everything you just said was the twenty twenty Detroit Lions. Sure. Yeah. Because absolutely. Three weeks into the season, we I think we'd already been like, okay, this isn't working. Matt Patricia is still stuck in his defense when it's absolutely not working. It, everything you said, like square peg, round hole, he, he, he's you know stuck in his own ways. He, he'd rather do it his way than the right way. And, right. And yeah, none of it's working. And so I would say, you know, look at circle, circle that Thanksgiving game that's, <laughs> because that's when the Lions pulled the trigger last year. So, I mean, it's just <laughs> – yeah, I mean, you just sit there, and it's like, but that's the thing. It's like, from me, the fat guy on the couch, all the way up to the former All-Pro who knows the X's and O's and the schemes and, you know, things like that. If we're all in agreement from every level of experience and exposure to the game, how is the guy most exposed to the team so oblivious to what everybody sees to be so obvious? You know, it, it just, it just, it, it's staggering to sit there and it just, you know, to, to watch that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I got to give you guys a lot of credit. It's like looking at the schedule, you figure, you know, week four, okay, at home in Chicago, aside from last year, the Lions don't play very well. And Nagy is, Nagy's got a great record uh, against the Lions so far. So that looks like, a you know, a good place will probably be, one and two, like I expected us to lose to the Browns. I did not expect to be embarrassed and annihilated like we were uh, on Sunday. But I expected, okay, we'll, we'll probably lose to the Rams. We'll get a win over the Bengals, lose to the Browns, come home, and even up uh, against the Lions. But A, with the way we've been playing, and B, with the way you guys have been playing, you know, coming down from 38-10 or whatever the score was to yeah. almost steal the game from the 49ers week one, uh, given Green Bay all they can handle and then some in the first half only to fall off in the second. And then really, I mean, the, the Ravens coming off their biggest win in a long time on Sunday night against the uh, Chiefs, Chiefs. 
for them to, to, to come into town and, you know, you guys, you shut down, or for the most part, shut down Lamar Jackson in that, that running game because they put up 36 on Kansas City and didn't even crack 20 against you guys. It's like, this is not a foregone conclusion, like, at all. Like, they still might beat us. And after reading a sports mockery column today saying that if we lose to Detroit, Nagy is fired, I'm not rooting against it, bro. <laughs> Yeah, I mean the the thing with the Lions so far is they've just they haven't put together a full game. Um, it, it's been a story of halves for for basically every one of those games. Like you mentioned the the Packers game, they looked really really good in that first half. They were doing yeah. everything they wanted to in the first half, and then you know everything spiraled spiraled out of control when you know the Lions don't convert on a fourth and one because the next time they get the ball, Jared Goff fumbles on the very first play of the drive, and then it's over because it was raining, right? Yeah, it was raining, yeah. And, and yeah, even you know later he had a third and four or something, and the ball slipped out of his hands on on a pass, and you know, kind of unfortunate there. But like, the the common theme in, amongst the first two games w- was that spiraling, like everything spiraled out of control. And in in the first game against the 49ers, Jared Goff threw a pick six at, at the two minute warning because that game was was almost I think the lines were close to tied or or may have been tie game towards the end of the two minute warning. He throws a pick six. Lines then go three and out. Uh, the 49ers add another field goal before the end of the half, and then it just spirals out of control until late in the game they make that furious comeback. And then even you know this week against the the Ravens, Lions did not play very good in that first half. The the offense was scoreless. The defense was giving up a, a bunch of yards. Um, and and if it weren't for a couple of Hollywood Brown dropped passes, that score could have been a lot worse in the first half. But oh, the Lions wow. kind of lucky for it to only be ten nothing. I think it was at the half, and then. That second half, they were playing lights out on both sides of the ball. The offense had three possessions, touchdown, touchdown, field goal. And the only reason they had a field goal in that last drive is because the Lions laid up. The Lions decided, hey, we're going to run clock. They had an opportunity to maybe put it, get a first down and, and put the game away. Uh, and Dan Campbell made his first you know, conservative play call, first conservative, conservative decision, and said, you know what? I'm willing to take a risk that our defense can stop Lamar Jackson with a minute and four seconds left um, from getting a field goal. Hmm. And I thought it was the wrong decision. Uh, it turns out it was. Yeah. But but to, to his defense, I mean, that defense was absolutely rolling the, the Ravens. And, you know, you got the Ravens in, in the spot where they don't want to be offensively, where yeah. they have to throw the ball. You know, yeah. they, that team prefers to run the ball 60 times a game. And and so when you have them in a pass only situation, you, you think you got them. And so the Lions get two sacks on the, to start that drive. They get them into a fourth and nineteen, where which is exactly where you want it to be. And then a, a converted safety turned corner in his first career start blows his assignment on fourth and nineteen. They convert, and that's it. That's it. And, and you're you're that close to beating the Ravens and and having you know a, a one and two record that I think most Lions fans would have been surprised by. It's unfortunate, but but you're right. Like this team is playing hard. This team is playing definitely above their talent level right now. There, there's yeah the injuries happening with all of the purging of the roster. I mean, the Lions cut veteran Jamie Collins, who's probably one of their better defenders right now, because they just want to get the, a look at the young guys right now. They they want to get those guys developed, and it's clear they're willing to sacrifice, you know, some some talent, some some even potentially some wins early in the season. And I think Lions fans have fully accepted that. And, I can't I can't speak for the entire fan base because obviously when they're losing, there are going to be some people that are throwing a fit no matter what the situation. But yeah. I think most people are on board for what the Lions are doing. And, and since they're still looking, you know, like they, they can contend against some of these, you know, top tier teams. I think most people are actually pretty happy with where 
the lines are at right now, which is in stark contrast to the one and two Chicago Bears, which is kind of yeah. an interesting dynamic. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, I mean, is uh, you know we're it, it, it's you know after like highlights and and you know keeping track of you guys, uh, it's it's I think the the running theme now would be you know just wait till their talent level catches up to how they play. Um, because you know, with the scrappy, never say die attitude that we've seen from this team so far, you know, when you actually have the talent, uh, you know, because widely, you know, said that the the Lions have one of the worst rosters on paper in the right. NFL this right. year, which is why you know the the fact that the coming back on the Forty ers when you're down by twenty five or whatever it was, and then uh, you know to come out and and blow out ahead of the Packers there before halftime in, in week two and on the road in Lambeau on Monday night football, national TV. And then the following week with the Ravens being on cloud nine after finally beating the Kansas city chiefs, you know, Mahomes was undefeated against those guys, uh, you know, pulling off that late comeback and, and winning that game on national TV with the whole world watching for them to come in. It should have been a foregone conclusion that they'd run right over you guys. And instead, it took a miracle of a kick, a once-in-a-lifetime kick from Tucker yep. to win that game from you guys. It, it just Now you're coming into Chicago where we're as vulnerable as we have ever been ripe for the picking. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 it's hard for me to look at any, it any other way either. I, I mean, the Lions' defense is not great right now. I know they just held the, the Ravens to, to 19, as, as you said. Um, but I think that kind of had to do with game planning. I, I think... I don't know. It's going to be weakness versus weakness, right? It's the Bears passing game versus Lions pass defense, which I would argue both are amongst, if not the worst in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then kind of strength versus strength. I, I wouldn't call necessarily the Lions run defense great, but um, we saw what they did to Baltimore with, with a good game plan. And, and certainly the Bears know, well, I don't know if they know, but most people know that the Bears have a much better running game than passing game right now. Yeah. Um, it remains to be seen whether the coaching staff is aware of that or not. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, I think it's an interesting matchup, especially when the Bears have the ball. And then offensively, the Lions have just been so inconsistent that, you know, I, I would have to tip the scales in the in the Bears' favor there because there's still a pretty good defense, despite what I thought was kind of a fascinating offseason where there was just kind of this this coaching uh, exodus for mm-hmm. whatever reason. Um, you know, obviously Pagano retired, but a couple position coaches leave. And, I, you know, the that defense is also getting up there in age, um, at least on the yep. on the front seven. But they still look to be pretty darn good. So, well, I mean, uh, I, I have to imagine Chicago has the advantage there. Yeah, the what got lost in the story of the nine sacks that Cleveland uh, issued to Justin Fields and, uh, and and whatnot is the fact that our defense had five. Right, right. We sacked Mayfield five times. We're in his face and getting hits several other times uh, as well. Yeah, the game was twenty six to six, but it was thirteen to six at the start of the fourth quarter. It was right. a one score game until Kareem Hunt scored a touchdown about a handful of plays into uh, the fourth quarter. It was right. not a foregone conclusion that I mean it was, but as far as the score was <laughs> concerned, it was not a foregone conclusion that Cleveland was going to win that game. You know, one one uh you know one uh, one good play from us maybe a pick six on our part it's an even score what's 13 13 uh in what like we have no business being that close in that game at that point in the game and yet we were because you know after getting embarrassed by the rams week one sean desai has been on top of his uh 
of his game, and the defense has been playing lights out. So, you know, like I said, the story of how well the defense played was lost in in the beating that the offense took and and Nagy's play calling incompetence or whatever you want to call it. So it's like the defense, I'm not worried uh, about them. You know, I'm just worried about what Nagy's going to do offensively because we still haven't heard what the final word on that is yet. Right. Like we, we, he's, he's also told us on Monday that uh, all three quarterbacks are in consideration <laughs> to start on Sunday. And but, which. <laughs> I mean, it's, but it, it's got to be the rookie, right? Like, it has to be. Right. You know, you can't let that be the game that's, you know, you just, you can't. I don't, yeah. even if Dalton is healthy, you have to start fields against the Lions. You have to. Yeah. You have to give the kid a chance to redeem himself for himself, not of to course. the fan base, because the fans, we're not out on Justin Fields. Okay, we're pissed as hell at Matt Nagy for setting him up to fail against the Browns, right. for not doing anything to help him when it was obvious what we planned on doing wasn't going to work. I mean, not even close. <laughs> so, you know, it's like we put that, I mean, yeah, he held on to the ball at times. He, you know, he stayed in the pocket when he should have ran. He ran when he should have stayed in the pocket. All rookie things. This is what sure. we expect to see from him. That's why he needs to be out there so that he can learn. Cause he's not going to learn that stuff watching from the sidelines. It's just not in today's NFL. You got to go out there and you got to experience yourself. You got to take the lumps and then learn from that. And if we'd known anything about Justin Fields and the way he's played in college, things like that, he's a quick learner. You know, he's a smart kid. He, you know, he does not often make the same mistake twice. So, you can't let that be the lasting statement that he has to live with until fields until Dalton gets hurt again or we deem him deem it safe for him to travel back out there again. You got to let him go back out there against the Lions and see what he can do. So I mean as long as they try to I mean they have to they have to train, change something though, right? Like they can't just oh, throw geez. him out there and just, and put him in the same situation otherwise you know, yeah, keep him on yeah. the bench if you're not going to Oh yeah, him. absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean there are people out there uh, from national guys all the way down to you know local and uh, uh, and what have you, just Bears Twitter, which has been an awesome place to be the last few days, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but just if that's what we're going to do with Justin Fields, then by all means, make him the third stringer and you know make him the, the quarterback that's inactive on Sunday. Let, let Dalton and Foles go out there and deal with that shit. I just don't right. want to see my quarterback take the beating that he's going to get no matter what because you are hard-pressed to put as many receivers out in the pattern as humanly possible and leave your, your you know, suspect offensive line out on an island by itself. Right. So if that's what you're going to do, then by all means, sit Justin Fields until 2022 so we can <laughs> fire you and put somebody out there that's actually <laughs> going to take care of the kid. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. But as far as, like, the mental structure of Justin Fields, we know that he's mentally tough. He did not, you didn't see him lashing out at the offensive line, no throwing his mouthpiece, no slamming his helmet down uh, or anything like that. You didn't see him screaming and yelling or doing anything to show, you know, overly frustrated on the field itself. Very composed, taking it all in, using it as a learning experience. You you have to think. And, uh, you know, so we we know that he can handle it and that it won't ruin him forever, but you got to give him a chance to go back out there. You got to do it. So, yeah, I mean, if I want him to start, um, the hand injury said the x-rays were negative, more precautionary. 
thing. So, okay, great. They, they said the bone bruise thing for Dalton was at least a two to three week injury. Okay, fine. So the only 100% healthy quarterback we have is Nick Foles. But we already know what's going to happen if that's what you're going to put in front of him. Right. We've seen Cement Shoes Foles try to run away from a pass rush and get himself hurt on Monday Night Football against the Vikings uh, last year. So I don't want to see that either. So I just We're screwed no matter what we do. Damned if you do, damned if you don't uh, kind of thing. And if Nagy won't surrender the play calling, I really don't want Fields out there. Yeah. But, yeah, just, uh, you know. It, Tough it, situation. It, oh, my God. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So and it's just uh, so discouraging to, to Bear fans that, um, you know, we're not hearing anything from the McCaskies or from Ryan Pace, for that matter. Yeah. about, you know, this needs to be corrected or we will, we will you know, look at this or, or what have you. Not a word from them. And that's, that's not sitting well with the fans, like, at all. So, Well, I mean, you could, you could be like the Lions and, and their owner stepped in front of a podium at <laughs> halftime of the Ravens game yeah. as she was uh, about to introduce Calvin Johnson and, uh, and, you know, give him his Hall of Fame ring. And you know what she said? Tell me. I have no idea because she got booed the entire time and I couldn't hear a word she said. <laughs> That's right. You were there. So. Yeah. So. It was uh, it was interesting. But, I mean, that's that's the risk those people take to stepping out in the public. Like, we're not going to, you know, especially during the last regime, we never heard from the GM. We never heard from the owner. Um, that that they, they kind of just like, they, they you know, the, during the season, it's not our team. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll talk in the offseason. I, I don't know if the Bears operate that way, but that's how the lines have always been. Like the GM, the owners, they're in the shadows, they're up in the in the in, you know in the skybox, all that sort of stuff. You don't hear from them until the offseason. And yeah, Lions Lions fans get frustrated by that too. But um, I can also see well, like, well, why why would we subject ourselves to getting booed in front of sixty thousand people? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's just when when it's I mean the. I told you this over the summer. I told everyone over the summer that the outlook for this season or the excitement towards it turned on a dime on draft night yeah. because yeah. we didn't want yep. Pace and Nagy to return to begin with, right. let alone give them another bite at the apple on trying to get us a quarterback because they f- screwed it up so royally the first time. And then Nagy's handpicked guy in Nick Foles, we gave up draft capital for that didn't work out at all. Uh, and, and things like that. And, you know, nobody wanted them to come back. And, and not only are they bringing them back, but they, they, they cited the six-game losing streak as a virtue for bringing them back because the team never gave up. They came back and went to the playoffs and blah, blah, blah. You know, last thing in the world. Anybody, I mean, it truly was one of the most disgraceful press conferences I've ever witnessed in my life. So, I mean, if I didn't need my phone as much as I did, I would have broken it about six times watching that uh, press <laughs> conference. It was disgusting. So, I mean, Ted Phillips is coming back, Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, everybody's coming back. We're not changing the thing. Oh, yeah, Chuck Pagano retired, but we were probably going to fire him anyway because we all know the defense was the reason we didn't win in 2020. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just like <laughs> – they're making Pagano the scapegoat and the poor bastard retired rather than deal with this again in 2021. Right. So anyway, but let's talk about these lions. You got yourself a new quarterback in Jared Goff. 
Um, I got to see him play a bit up close with the Monday night game. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, aside from Peyton talking about he needs to get rid of the wristband the so he can, yep. you know, the armband to needs to learn the offense. Eventually that'll go away and, uh, and all that kind of stuff, uh, you know, and also sharing the story over and over again about he and Jeff Saturday dunking the football in, in buckets of water. Uh, even if they're playing indoors, so they would know how to handle a wet football uh, and everything. You know, how do you how how are you rating Goff and and how he's played so far in the first three games? Um, not great. Uh, I mean, anytime you go from a guy like Matthew Stafford to to Jared Goff, I mean, there's a reason the Rams paid a couple first round picks for for Matthew Stafford. So you have to adjust your expectations quite a bit because he's just much more limited as a quarterback. He isn't a guy that likes to test. Um, you know, defense is downfield. He likes to check down and I don't know if he likes to check down or he's just more comfortable doing it. Um, but he goes through his progressions a little bit slower and, you know, he still has a good arm. He still has pretty good accuracy. It's just, it's that processing. It's the, um, it's the willingness to, to, you know, try to fit things into small holes. And I, I want to give him at least a little bit of a pass given how this wide receiving core looks right now because mm-hmm. uh, I'm guessing your listeners can maybe name one or two of the, the lines receivers. If, if that um, their, their number one receiver is a guy named Khalif Freeman who uh, has basically never really been a starter before. Mm-hmm. He's more of a special teams guy. Um, Tyrell Williams, their, their true number one has been out um, dealing with an injury. He's on IR um, after suffering a week one concussion. So you've got Khalif Raymond, you've got rookie, uh, I'm on St. Brown, who has basically done nothing through three games. Uh, and then you have Quintus Cephas kind of as your number two. Okay. Um, that's the name I remember. Been... And that's because he's a key and peel all-star yeah. uh, name. That's why that name is <laughs> yeah. stuck with me. He's the one that caught that like 40 yarder from Stafford in the yep. soldier field game last year. That's right. Yeah. And uh fifth round picks last year. So young guy still kind of learning. And then they trade a fifth round pick for pick for a guy named Trinity Benson, who I don't expect you to know anything about, and you probably don't need to know anything about him, if I'm being completely honest. And, and Kaderil Hodge, you know, those are your guys that we're talking about, and I, I know just a little bit more about them than you probably do. Um, so he, he's dealing with a ragtag group of guys. Obviously, the number one and number two receivers on this team are not wide receivers at all. They're TJ right. Hawkinson and they're DeAndre Swift. Sure. And that's where he's found his success, um, you know, Hawkinson was amongst the uh, the leading receivers amongst tight ends through the first two weeks. Uh, the, the Ravens kind of shut him down last week. Swift kind of took the the reins then. You know, he had a really good second half in the receiving game against the Ravens. So it's that short yardage stuff. It's the yak stuff. It's the Dinkin and Duncan that that's really worked most for Jared Goff. And everyone's just waiting for that kind of long ball to to really happen, but. It, it just isn't, and and you can blame Jared Goff and his and his processing. You can blame a, a, a receiving core that just isn't the type that's going to create a lot of separation, but it's just not happening. And so Goff looks like he did against the Rams. He did with the Rams for the past two years, where he's just a guy who limits your offense. He's not a guy. He's not a weapon. Essentially, he's sure. a guy. He's a game manager. You know, I I'm, I'm I guess I'm kind of using that as a pejorative. Uh, it, it's not. It's certainly not a good thing. But he, you know, for the most part. He's careful with the ball. He's, he's made a few mistakes, you know, the, the pick six that, that I mentioned before and, you know, fumbling the ball in the rain, whether that's, you know, his fault or just kind of bad luck, whatever. I mean, people say he has small hands, too, so I guess that's just how it works. But kind of long story short, um, I would say maybe he's underwhelmed a little bit, but nothing really too 
um, o- o- away from my expectations because he wasn't very impressive in training camp. <laughs> this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room, formerly known as the Locker Room app, guys. Spotify Green Room is a live audio only sports talk platform, free to download and use. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. Start or join ongoing conversations. Watch games together. React to the biggest news, rumors, and games. And of course, I host a weekly show every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on the Spotify Green Room. The Bears Talk Underground presents Club 34-7. Be sure and join me. Come through and talk with me live. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link to your Twitter, and join into the group. Follow me to be notified when my room goes live. And, of course, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, is when Club 34-7 hits the air. So be sure to join in on the fun, guys. You don't want to miss it. And be sure to follow me on the the app so that you'll know anytime that I go live because we'll be doing watch parties during the preseason. We'll be doing uh, knee-jerk reactions during halftime during the season and things like that. Lots to do. This app opens up so many possibilities for interaction between me and you, my loyal audience. So be sure and download the Spotify Green Room app wherever you get your apps. Okay. Well, I mean, so that was pretty comprehensive. Um, yeah, I know. I tackled a bunch of things. There. Yeah, you did. But, I mean, so let's talk about DeAndre Swift then because one of the things that was always lacking in Matt Stafford's time yeah. as the quarterback was a running game. So, I mean, has in year two – do you see him beginning to take to take a step as, you know, the addition of a guy like a Penny Sewell and things like that helping get grease the wheels with the running game? Or is it still like this huge void in the offense and he's only useful coming out of the backfield as a pass catcher? No, I, I would say the Lions running game has looked very proficient through through three three ugh, through three weeks. Um last week against the the Ravens, I'd say I'd say they took a, a bit a bit of a step back, but before that, through two weeks, they were the number four ranked rushing offense uh, according to football outsiders dvoa and the the only issue was that they kept falling behind in games you know they were down by 25 points against the 49ers they were down by you know 17 18 or whatever it ended up being against the packers so they had to abandon their run game really in the second halves of of both of those games baltimore was the first kind of opportunity that they had to run the run the ball all game and they had a really good first half and a really bad second half and so Mm. Um, I, I think the the jury's still kind of out on the run game, but I would say there's been a lot more positive than, than negatives. And a lot of it, it, it doesn't really even have to do with Swift. It has to do, like you mentioned, that that offensive line. Yeah. Sewell is, is a better run blocker than he is a pass blocker. Same can be said for Halapuli Vati Vaitai, the right guard, Jonah Jackson. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to say it again. You're right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Frank Ragnow is, is maybe the best center in the league. Um, he's a really good run blocker. It, it all seems to be working at times. It's just... The one thing they haven't been able to prove is can they do it for an entire game sure. and can they do it when everyone sees it coming? Right. Because like I mentioned in that Ravens game, the Lions had the ball. One first down would have ended it and they ran, ran, ran. And I believe they lost two yards total mm. on those three plays. And so the Ravens knew they were going to run the ball. Everyone in the, in, in the stadium knew they were going to run the ball and they couldn't run the ball. So they haven't reached that point yet where it's like we're just going to run the ball 40 times a game and see if you can stop us. They're not that good yet. But I would say this is as close to a real running game as this team has had 
maybe in two decades. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, you know, sample size is still small. That could change, but there, there's really a lot of reason for optimism. And it's not just Swift too. Jamal Williams. Um, he's averaging 4.3 yards per carry. The, the, the attempts there are 33 rushing attempts for Swift, 28 for Williams. So it's almost a 50, 50 split there in terms of running, running game. Obviously Swift is kind of the bigger weapon in the passing game, but overall, Cautious optimism on the Lions running game through three weeks. Well, that's good. You know, at least it's trending up, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Lions fans will take that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and especially in a year like this where the expectations are low, um, yep. not just because you have a brand new coach, because like you, you mentioned at the top of the, of the show, you purged your roster. And yeah. we talked about that over the summer. It's like the – the names that are on this subtractions list, like I, I wrote a list of the people that you guys brought in, and then the, the names on the people that went out would be like, these would be household Detroit Lion names that are no longer on the team uh, anymore. Like you don't, like like I said, the only reason that I remember Quintez Cephas is because of his actual name, not because <laughs> of, you know, oh yeah, that guy's a dynamite player for the Lions. Like I remember he scored a touchdown against us last year, and I only remember that because it was like, what is his name? You know, like, <laughs> and I don't understand, like I, I get that you guys have that name competition every year. I don't oh, know yeah. how he's not sweeping it every goddamn year. Quintez Cephas, are you <laughs> kidding me? That guy's got to be a number one seed every single year and just sweeping his bracket. I mean, it just, I don't get how he wasn't in the final four or winning that thing this year. It was a really good competition this year. Like, I'm on Ross St. Brown. Very, very solid name. Even Panay Sewell, uh, people tend to to really like the name John Penasini. I'll let you figure out why. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was. It was a good competition, but the thing is with that thing that we run every year, there's always someone that comes in and figures out how to flood the poll and just like completely change the results. And because it's a it's a bracket about names, I just say, oh, I don't care. Sure. Cheat. <laughs> That's fine. Okay. Yeah. It's, it, it doesn't matter. I, I kind of encourage the cheating sometimes. So sometimes we don't actually get the best or so most did- interesting name. We just get someone that in chat or in, uh, in, in our comment section uh, wanted to troll with. Sure. So did D Virgin win this year or was that last year? I, that I was last year. He did uh, win, right? Yeah, he's not yeah. on the team anymore. I'm trying to remember. I don't even remember who won. I can find out really quick who won the because I think this year. I th- and I think you're right. I, well, I know you're right because you know it's your team. Of course, you know. But because I think I saw a tweet like last week or the week before of Adam Shifter uh, talking about how D Virgin was yeah. trying out for somebody, and he, yeah. he mentioned it in a way like he's really emphasizing this guy's name. Yep. He's like, Everyone. someone's like D Virgin is trying out for the 49ers. So the 49ers would be taking a look at D Virgin. Uh, it was like <laughs> he said the name twice when he didn't need to. So he's like, okay, Schefter's pointing out this guy's got a odd name uh, yep. here. So, so yeah. So this year, this year's winner was Damian Ratley, which, okay right. name. I would say that's like a six or seven seed. I don't remember what seed he actually was. He <laughs> um, was an 11 seed, so he wasn't even that high. Um, not even on the team anymore, by the way. Uh, he he beat Ifatu Melifanwu, which right. I thought was a solid name. Two yeah. So there you go with the, with those uh, those tribal names yep. uh, and things like that. But uh, yeah, so I think your I think your people are missing out on the point of the <laughs> name thing of Damian Ratley. I mean, like I said, not a bad name, not at all worthy of the competition, but worthy of the title in a. In a bracket that has Quintez Cephas and D Virgin and uh, 
John Penises on his team or whatever his name was. And, uh, you know, it's like, come on. It's like, we're guys here. We don't grow up. We grow old. Let's have fun with this. Don't We don't want Damian Ratley to win this thing. Not when those other names are on the board. I, you know, Lions fans, they, they work in, in mysterious ways. That's, that's all I can say. And, and who can blame them given all the trauma that we've been I was going to say, you got to entertain yourself somehow. <laughs> so have your fun where you can with this roster. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about this week's game. Um, but I'm also nervous as hell at, yeah. about possibly losing it. Uh, and everything, and Soldier Field crumbling to the ground when the when the fans charge the field, uh, uh, and everything. We didn't get a chance to do that last year. There were no fans in the building when we gave up a ten point lead in the fourth quarter uh, to you guys, uh, and it's probably a good thing too. Um, I'm sure one or two would have charged the field after that travesty. Um, but I, I just, um, you know, like I think we'll be fine uh, on defense. Uh, I worry about what will happen if you guys can get to the second level in the running game because Eddie Jackson still doesn't know how to tackle. Uh, he proved that on um, Kareem Hunt's touchdown run uh, in the fourth quarter. He knew he was the last line of defense, still came flying in out of control with his head down. So, of course, Kareem Hunt takes one step to the inside, Olay's Eddie Jackson's ass right into the you know, sideline reporter or something like that, and off he goes to the end zone, uh, you know, unmolested for a touchdown. That that really, really put the game uh, out of reach uh, at that point. So, you know, if, if we can stop you with the front seven, like we don't know if Eddie Goldman's going to remember that he's still a football player or that he wants to play football for that matter, that would really help out our run defense, having him, uh, out there, but our front seven's been outstanding so far this year. It's the secondary that's huge concern. So that might be where you guys can pick up some traction uh, against us. Is uh, you know safeties and corners outside of Jalen Johnson. You avoid him, you might be okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we'll see. It, I, again, it kind of feels like a, a weakness versus weakness there with sure. you know the 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 Bears' young secondary there, obviously outside of Eddie Jackson. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think I'm most interested in, in seeing how the lines can run the ball against the bears because they've been a little bit like, like you, you know, kind of alluded to there. The bears have been a little bit vulnerable to, to some running attacks last week where they, what gave up 200 and change to, to the Browns. Um, and, and yeah, I think that's what the lines are certainly going to try to do is, is, is run the ball as much as they can. And, and I think that bears defensive front is pretty darn good and mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm not, ever going to uh you know take that for granted and, and say well lines have a good offensive line now they're gonna they're gonna beat up the bears no it, it doesn't work like that with, yeah. with some of the guys you guys still have up there it, it's gonna be a test um i think this is going to be the line's best chance against chicago in the running game in quite some time yeah but uh but i'm not i'm not gonna sit here and say like oh they got this one in the bag yeah, the Browns was more of a death by a thousand cuts because they ran yeah. 80 plays against us right, uh, right on sunday they were protecting a lead uh, in the fourth quarter, and they were able to to wear out a defense that had been on the field. Um, I think we were about, I think, 12 seconds short of 40 minutes on the field Sunday mm-hmm. uh, against the Lions. And to put that in further context, we were five minutes away from being on the field for three full quarters on defense. You know, like it's just yeah, – that's 
you're Wait, you're going to wear down anybody yep. if you do yep. that. So, and then especially like I I read the like the drive summaries on my review show yesterday uh, on Tuesday, and it was three plays minus one yard, three plays minus four yards, three plays nine yards. Like, oh, we actually got positive yardage on that one, and you know, but it was the whole half was like that. And the one drive where we actually gained yards and got inside the five-yard line was because of a 44-yard pass interference penalty. (laughs) Not because we actually drove 65 yards to get inside the five-yard line before settling for a field goal, which, Jeremy, that pissed off a lot of people. (laughs) That Nagy laid up at that point in the football game. Because it said two things all at the same time. It was one statement that contradicted itself. And I don't know how that's even mathematically possible, but Nagy (laughs) managed to pull it off because it says, I have no faith that the offense can score points on this particular drive. We are not going to get into the end zone. But at the same time says, I have faith that the offense will get us here again. Right, right, right. So, yeah, rather than just have some balls and go for the play, you know, realizing the reality of what's happening in front of you, that the offense is not going to get here on hell. The offense didn't get here now on its own. So go for it. If you don't get it. Yeah. We're going to be upset. You didn't get it, but at least you went for it. It didn't really change the outcome of the game. So we're looking at 26 to three instead of 26 to six big deal. (laughs) Right. You know, we're we're talking about the difference between thirteen to six and thirteen to ten. That's a huge difference going into the fourth quarter. So no, he decides we're gonna settle for the field goal and for some reason had some thought in his head that it would be possible for that offense against that pass rush that was getting no help, uh being left on an island with our thirty nine year old 18-year veteran offensive tackle <laughs> and our first-round bust of, of a tackle that's here because he's cheaper than Bobby Massey was. And having them go up against Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett over and over and over again, that's a recipe for success that will get us back into this position so we can score points later on in this football <laughs> game. So that's, that's, it's like that's, that's what we were dealing with. Uh, on Sunday, which is why you guys have an excellent chance to steal one from us in Chicago, because as long as that dickhead's at the steering wheel, we're in trouble. We <laughs> yeah, are and, in trouble. And, you know, to to put some X's and O's on there, the Lions, part of the reason they were able to to really keep Lamar Jack- Jackson in check last week was was their pass rush. It, was, it wasn't excellent. It's certainly not on the level that the, the Browns have. Um, but, you know, Romeo Quara has something like 15 pressures this year. Um you know, uh, they, they got a lot of production out of out of some of their depth guys, which was kind of surprising considering Trey Flowers didn't even play in that game. Um, Julian O'Quara, um, Charles Harris, a former first round pick that has busted kind of everywhere he's been, uh, had four pressures that game. And, and like I said, the, the way that that game ended was the Lions were getting home with four man rushes uh, against Lamar Jackson in that final drive of the game. And then, of course, they did the one thing that you never do on a fourth and long in a got to have it situation. And what's that? Played they rushed three. Oh, they, they rushed yeah. three. They rushed three, dropped eight. Yep. <laughs> yep. And Give him all the time he needs you, to find somebody. You, you never rushed three, and they did. But 
every every other play that drive, the, the first three plays of that drive, rush four, pressure, rush, rush four, sack, rush four, sack, and then they rush three. Um, so I, I, I am tr- interested to see if they can keep it going and maybe, um, you know, I think I think the first key for the Lions is to stop the running game, which they've progressively gotten better at as the season went on. They, they really got gashed by the 49ers, but got consistently better, you know, did a pretty good job against the Packers, and I thought did an excellent job against the Ravens. If they can control the, the, the Bears running game and then kind of pin their ears back, I think they have a chance to, to really win that side of the matchup. Yeah. Let me ask you something. You are um, credentialed, so you get to go to the Lions home games. Now. Yep. How are you handling that as a fan? <laughs> because I know um, it's it's like taboo to actually like get excited and cheer. And I mean, especially for the fan that I know you are. Yeah. Those two sacks on that final drive, I'd have been shitting myself right there in the press box about, you know, us possibly <laughs> stealing this game from the Ravens, uh, and, you know, and whatnot. I, you know, I'm sure that somebody would have had to remind me that I'm supposed to keep some level of uh, decorum and that I'm not a fan. I'm working, you know, I'm a, a you know, a beat writer or whatever. How were yeah. you handling those situations? I'll say I'm much better now than I was in year one, okay. <laughs> um, which was actually, when I, two years I, ago. I well, 2018 was my first okay. year on the, or at least, you know, in Detroit on the Lions beat. And okay. It, let, let me set the stage there because very first game uh, of the 2018 season, it, it's Matt Patricia's first game as head coach. They're playing the jets on Monday night. Oh, uh, right. Huge game. Yeah. Pick six uh, on the first throw. Yeah, yes. That's what I was getting to. The very first play of the Matt Patricia era, uh, Quandre Diggs picks off, uh, Darnold. their rookie quarterback, Sam Darnold, uh, very first pass game takes it to the house, and I 100% let out a yelp. It wasn't. A, it wasn't like a yeah. It was like a yeah. And then I realized, oh shit, I, I gotta shut up. <laughs> and and that was that was really the last time I've let out anything audible. There's a lot of like, you know, like pump fist pumping, fist pumping underneath pumping, the sure. desk. Um, one of my my co-writers, the, the co-manager, probably Detroit Eric Schlitt, we very often give give each other fist bumps and like just like excited smiles, but it's not easy. And yeah, I was, I was definitely, the heart rate was up in that final drive of the game. And like I said, though, like I, I don't think, I don't know if it's the fan in me that's, that's left or it's just, you've been beaten down by this so much. <laughs> I was not like ready to throw anything after, after Tucker made that 16, sure, six yard. Sure. It was more just like a, wow. Like, like, yeah, that actually that just, happened. That, that just it was happened. Just awe. It was yeah. pure awe. There was no, there was no emotion involved. It was just like, I just witnessed something that's never happened before. And yeah. I I can't believe it happened. But at the same time, I 100% believe that that just happened to the Lions. <laughs> well, because I, I was wondering, because you're starting to see a, a little bit more of that nowadays with, the, you know, with, with bloggers and podcasters yeah. being taken more seriously than we would have been, you know, years ago. Like, I wonder... If, you know, being, I mean, like, I don't have a huge following or anything, but I wonder if being long tenured and, you know, maybe even showing the resume of the people that I've had on the show and, and things like that would maybe get me credentialed or something like maybe I could go to, to a game. But I also wonder, uh, you know, knowing, knowing the quote unquote rules as far as that goes, but in that moment, like that, that last drive, that second sack right there. Would yeah. I have been like, oh, yeah, you know, like in the <laughs> like, oh, sorry, you know, kind of thing. It's just like, would that have been one of those 
those moments where I was so wrapped up in what's happening, like we're actually going to win this game. We're going to beat the Ravens, you know, come from behind when you were losing 16 to seven. Now we're up 17 to 16. Lamar Jackson's got to throw the ball. You know, he's a good quarterback, but that's not his strength. He gets, he earns his paycheck on his feet and it's just right. like, he's got to throw it. And now, now it's fourth and 19. Can you believe this? And you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know that I could avoid being wrapped up in the moment like that and forget my place. You, you know who the loudest people in the press box are? Mm. It's it's the team employees. So a lot of times I've been sat next to like the opposing GM or, the, you know, other personnel guys from the opposing team. And those guys will not hold back. <laughs> I have seen a lot of, you know, a lot of people almost break their hand on desks. Yeah. Because those guys are, are feeling every second of that. I mean, they're they're, you know economically their their jobs are on the line so you know i understand them being emotional but it's just kind of interesting to see them sometimes sitting next to like a radio host who has sworn that he's going to be quiet and this guy is like ready to to flip over a desk <laughs> if they weren't bolted down he'd be flipping it over right now exactly <laughs> yeah what's the food like it's okay it's okay I, see it, it's so I typically don't go to away games. I, I could be credentialed, but I'd have to pay for my own travel, and sure. I just, I'm not making that that much money to do that. Um, but I've been told by the other beat guys that Ford Field food is just kind of okay. It's not it's not great. Like, so you know, the staple food in Detroit is is the Coney Dog, which is just like a chili cheese dog. Okay. Um, and so they serve that at every game. Um, it's just like a, a staple. But I, you know, eating eating a chili covered hot dog does not sound like a great <laughs> business decision. Uh, on game day for me, so I never have that. I just have whatever they have on the like, uh, you know, like buffet style food that they have, and mm-hmm. they rotate through local places. And the the best there's there's two great days. They do a great Thanksgiving dinner for oh, the sure. Thanksgiving day, yeah, obviously. Um, and then Slow's Barbecue is is a local place in Detroit. If you ever if you know any Bears fans ever come to Detroit for a game, I would highly me- recommend Slow's Barbecue. They cater at least one game uh, a year. Sometimes it's two. That's that's the day when you want to you want to like you don't eat breakfast for. Sure. Sure. Because I've only ever had one NFL press box experience and I had it at a college game. Uh, I was at Raymond James Stadium when my Western Illinois Leathernecks placed or faced the South Florida uh, Bulls, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the Bulls. So I was able to enjoy the the food uh, there and they serve fajitas at the game. Okay. Yeah, I was like, That's, I mean, I mean and they had the whole spread. You eat meat, chicken, pork, all the veggies, you know, um, refried beans, rice, onions, you know, the pico to get like the whole thing. You could have built a monster of a burrito if you didn't want to, you know, if you would just want to <laughs> pile all that, all that stuff in there. I was like, dude, this is how the NFL lives. I got to get me some of this yeah, kind of thing. So, yeah, I've always kind of wondered anyone who's had access to a press box is like, what's the food like? Because Tampa Bay, in my one experience, was pretty awesome. You know, like the other like one double A stadiums, they order pizza, they get Kentucky Fried Chicken, or you know something right. that in you know, order out for sandwiches or something like that. So they're feeding you, which is great. Right. Um, but it's not exactly like like we go to the, after a season full of that, and that was our. Um, season finale that year to, to go through a full season of, you know, RB sandwiches and, you know, <laughs> pizza hut and things like that. And then come to this and it's chef prepared fajitas with all the trimmings. It's like, 
yeah, this is uh, okay. I'm doing this. This is, you know, I don't, yeah, that was pretty great. So yeah. 20 years yeah. later, I'm still thinking about that meal. That's how <laughs> I've, good I've it was. I've heard Raymond James is good. I, I heard Tampa Bay does it pretty well. So yeah. Um, yeah, I would say the lines are probably a little bit worse than that, but certainly above, uh, you know, a fast food takeout or you know, Arby's <laughs> sandwiches, you know, sitting under a heat lamp for, for two hours. Well, you know what, man? It's all the right price. You know, it's True. free. Have that's, at it. You know, yep. either eat it or don't. It's up to you. Exactly. So, um, yeah, but that's uh, what I've always – well, I mean, just the whole trip is actually was a pretty great experience, except for Tampa, Florida itself, because it was late November <laughs> – it was 85 degrees and humid, and I was like, yeah. I'm never coming back here ever again. <laughs> if this was like in, in, in the middle of November, I can't imagine what it would be like in August or something like that when it's supposed to be hot. Yeah, it's horrible. So no I thanks. I yeah. never go down there. <laughs> so I love my family, but I do not like Florida. Yeah, my, my, my aunt moved uh, down there. I don't think she's near – I think she's closer to Miami than she is, but it's still Florida, for Christ's sake. The, the weather is the same no matter where you are in the state, so – yeah, it's pretty awful. But, um, you know, so let's go back to the game real quick before we <laughs> say goodbye here. Sure. Um, you know, I, I've, like I said, I've, I've, I'm, I'm nervous about this game now, based, especially after the way that we played against Cleveland. I'm nervous because we're having this conversation on Tuesday night, so we won't find out maybe at the earliest until tomorrow whether Nagy has deemed himself humble enough to hand over the play card to Bill Lazor, who we averaged like, I don't know, 30 points a game when he was calling the plays uh, last year. Uh, we don't know who our starting quarterback is going to be, whether Dalton's going to be healthy enough or if uh, you know they're going to give the ball back to fields uh, again, or are we going to have to suffer through what Nick Foles uh, is going to do and, and everything else. Like I said, I, I don't have any concerns about the, the defense. Nobody was – I mean, one of the silver linings about the game on Sunday was that nobody got hurt. So we didn't have we didn't lose somebody to a hamstring injury, or this or that or or anything like that on the defensive side. So we should pretty well be at full strength when we come into the game on Sunday. But based after what we saw on offense from us on Sunday, it's going to be up to the defense to win this game for us. Yeah. So yeah, and you know I think I think both teams are really just going to try. Well, I, I can't say I I, I know what Matt Nagy's going to do, but I, I feel like both teams should try to just run the ball right like that's that's where the team's bread and butter is made right now on offense and you know i i think i like the bears chance better at at being able to run the ball against the, the opposing defense in, in this matchup so but you know if i had to give the the early advantage to, to one team it's probably the bears here but yeah there's still a lot to figure out the rest of this week to, to see what the hell the bears are going to do this week in yeah. terms of just about everything and uh you know lines have some injury stuff that they have to shake out as well so the, it's it's going to be an interesting matchup, and I, I definitely expect this one to be a, a tight one for the entire game. Well, and, and you and I have mentioned this several times uh, over the years that I've had you on the show, is that, yes, our most hated rival is Green Bay, but my favorite rivalry is with the Lions. Yeah. Because those are, the, those are actual games. Yeah. Uh, you know, they go back and forth. You know, if you're you're good, we're bad, we're bad, you're you know, we're good, you're bad, and you know, or whatever. That there's always a game involved when the Bears and the Lions play. It's very rarely one of those things where one just absolutely steamrolls the other. You're usually looking right. at a football game that won't be decided until we're well into the fourth quarter kind of thing. And and I think we're headed for another one of those football games where it's not gonna be decided until the clock strikes zero 
as opposed to, well, second half, 35 to nothing, this one's over with kind of thing. Right. So yep. I, I don't think we're looking at that uh, at all. So we should at least get a football game uh, out of this. And as far as you're saying that uh, you like the Bears running the football, it's like, well, Bear fans like the Bears yeah. running the football, yep. but Nagy seems to be opposed to it more times right. than not because he's – I don't know what it is with this guy, Jeremy. Uh, the, he has no sense whatsoever. I mean, Anthony Lynn's your OC now, right? Yep. Okay. With Nagy as the play caller, he has no sense for sticking with the hot hand. You know, he doesn't right. come out and see against the Rams, first carry from David Montgomery, 41 yards. Second carry from David Montgomery, 13 Yards. So he's averaging only 27 yards a carry after the first two uh, carries of the season. And instead, what happens? Out he comes, in goes Damian Williams, who, good football player, but, uh, you know, the other guy's averaging 27 yards a carry. We might want to leave him in the game a little bit longer because it looks like he came to play tonight kind of thing. And it's just right. that, like that game against you guys in Soldier Field last year. Montgomery was running on a different gear in that game, and he kept taking Montgomery out of the game. And granted, Cordell Patterson was doing fine against you guys. We ran the ball very right. well in that first in the second matchup, yeah. especially in the first half. Montgomery had like 70 yards rushing at halftime, but he would have had more if we'd have given Patterson's carries to him. Instead, we kept taking him out, and Patterson's having success. Well, Montgomery would be too. Stop taking him out of the goddamn game. Uh, over and over again, he does that, even at, you know, as we went along. First carry of the game against the Texans a week or two later, 80-yard touchdown. Literally first play of the game, he runs an 80-yard touchdown. Okay, Was he even on the field on the start of the next drive? No. No, he didn't start the second half either when he had 100 yards rushing at halftime. So you, you would like to see us run the ball, or you think that we, that's our strength? I believe you. I've seen it. Uh, I just don't think we'll see it enough for it to matter because, I mean, if Laser's calling the plays, absolutely. Because when Laser was calling the plays, that's when Montgomery went from having like 400 yards of rushing after 10 games to having over 1,000 in the final six. Not 1,000 yards, you know, in those six games, but at getting enough yardage to break 1,000 yards being a top five rusher by the end of the season. Right. With Bill Lazor calling the plays, emphasizing on the run, sticking with the run. So, I mean, he outdueled Dalvin Cook in Minnesota last year. But he's not going to do that with Nagy calling the plays. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pessimistic. It's glass half empty for me if Nagy has the stones to step up to the table tomorrow on Wednesday and tell us he's calling the plays. Yeah, I mean, who knows? So, like you said, like these games tend to just be very strange between these two teams, so yeah. you, you really never know how they're going to work out. But I think you're right in that that this is this is probably going to be a close one. No team is going to run away, away with it, and I can tell you for certain, whatever team loses, that fan base is going to be very upset because <laughs> even though even the Lions fans are very much on board with the rebuild and very much understanding yeah. of their zero three record, uh, given how they played last week against the Ravens and like, oh man, we can compete with these top tier teams. Yeah. And given how the Bears played last week, they are licking their chops at this game. Right. And saying, oh, for sure. Yeah. Dan Campbell's first win is coming. Yeah. And if we can't do it against this crappy offense, then this team is a lot further away than we thought they were. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are I mean, but after think, after these three games. Fair, by the way. 
Yeah, I mean, after these three games, I think you guys obviously you're ready for a win yeah. as well. Like you're you're not you know you're, that that's going to be a few and far between thing this season. Uh, anyone who's paying attention knows that that's more than likely going to be the the, the scenario for the Lions this year. But um, you know, like I said, we're primed. We're primed. If there if if, we're, if there's ever a team ready to be you know uh, you know taken away from this year, it's it's this one. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and you guys can sleep well, Jeremy, knowing Mitch Trubisky's not on the team anymore. <laughs> he can't hurt us anymore. Yeah, you know, Trubisky's like 10-0 and 0 against the Lions, so he can't work his sorcery against you guys this year. Whatever that was in the four years that he was our quarterback, I think his record was like 6-2 and two or something yeah, like something that like against that. you guys. Whatever it was, don't have to worry about it anymore. It's It's on to... Fields and Dalton and possibly Foles, so you guys are good. <laughs> so, all right, Jeremy, where can we uh, keep up with you uh, in the meantime between now and Thanksgiving when we see you again? All all things Pride of Detroit, the podcast, the Twitch page, the YouTube page, the Twitter account. Uh, we technically have an Instagram, but we almost never use it. Facebook, we we definitely use. Uh, and then you can follow me at Detroit Online, all one word on Twitter. All right, and it's a good Twitter follow, not uh, just not for Lions info, but for things like uh, hot dog, sandwich, <laughs> or no. Yes, so. a lot of sandwich debating, a lot of TV shows, and, and just, yeah, a lot of food talk. Right, right. So, all <laughs> right, man, thanks so much. Uh, we'll see you again uh, in November. Sounds good, Larry. Thanks for having me, man. There you have it, guys. If uh, if we don't get that win this Sunday against the Lions, uh, realistically, it could be a very long time until we are in a position to get another one. I mean, it's the Raiders next week, the Packers after that, Tampa Bay after that, the 49ers after that, before that game in Pittsburgh on Monday night. Then we have a break, and then the Ravens before we see the Lions again. Forget about it, man. Just forget about it. I mean, it's just we thought the schedule looked ugly before the season started. Go ahead and take a peek at it now. It is goddamn ugly uh, right now. I mean, if we don't get that win this week. I mean, it's it it's that's that's six games. You think Nagy could survive another six game losing streak if uh, if we don't pull this off? Uh, if we don't shake out a win at some point in there. So I mean, it's. Uh, yeah, that's uh that's a six game stretch. Raiders, Packers, Bucks, 49ers, Steelers, Ravens. Six games. So, I mean, when the schedule came out last year with the way that we were playing, the way the season was shaping up and we had like the the Rams, the Titans and um the Saints on that one stretch, you're like, "Oof." Yeah, that could be a three-game losing streak. Well, we were wrong. It was the six-game losing streak because we ended up losing the three games that followed that as well. So right there in the middle of the, the season, you know, and we won't be 5-1 and one when this takes place. So we don't, we don't have the bandwidth in our schedule to take losses. We have to win this Sunday just to get back to 500. 
So, I mean, and then we do. We'll be two and eight at the end of this stretch with with uh, how things are looking right now. So, yeah, it's uh, not a good situation uh, for us. And we're not in Jeremy's position right now. You heard me talk about it. They basically purged their roster for this new regime. They are literally building from scratch. They have what is considered on paper to be the worst roster in football and going ahead with this new coach. And at least they're playing tough. They're scrappy. They're, they're giving people hell because they've had a, you know, a very unenviable first three games of the season. The returning 49ers healthy for the first time since the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl 54 uh, against the Chiefs in 2019. Then they had the Packers on Monday Night Football in Lambeau. Yikes. And then this past Sunday, the Ravens. Those were the first three games for that football team. So, I mean, on paper, when the schedule comes out, I was like, well, there's three losses right there, just right off the top. So, I mean, they expected to be in this spot at this time, and here we are. This is probably the first time that they think they can get a win. And with the way that they've played, like they deserve to win last week against the Ravens. They should have won. But if if not for, uh, you know, a bad call by the referees. In fact, we didn't talk about that. The play that set up the game-winning field goal was uh, there should have been a delay at game penalty. The, 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 the play clock got down to zero. Then it was a f- another full second before Lamar Jackson's got the football in his hands. So it was, you know, it was, should have been a delay of game, and they should have had to try it again. And then who knows how the game turns out. But after, a, you know, a missed call by the referees, it still took an NFL record 66-yard field goal for them to lose that game. So, yeah, they know they should be, they know they should be one and two right now you know they should be one and two right now they're coming into Chicago and after what we put on tape against the Browns on Sunday we look like a very winnable game as well so depends on who 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 wants it more on Sunday is really what it's going to come down to I mean tomorrow's uh you know keys to the game and uh and stuff like that it's it's going to have very little to do with X's and O's just because a because we don't know what to expect uh, from the Bears. We don't know what kind of adjustments Nagy's going to make if he is, in fact, the play caller on Sunday, and we don't know what we're going to expect if Nagy isn't making the call. So I guess that's exciting, I guess. I, I don't know. But, uh, you know, the Lions have been playing with everybody so far, even if only for a half like they did against uh, Green Bay. Or Well, I mean, they did it in the first two games, actually. They only played the second half against the 49ers. They only showed up for the first half against the Packers. And then they put in a 60-minute effort against the Ravens and just came up short. So that's the lesson right there. They played for 60 minutes, and they almost beat one of the best teams in the league. So put together another 60-minute effort, you should come away with a win in Chicago. At least that's what they're telling themselves anyway. So, yeah, preview episode is going to have very little to do with – X's and O's and things like that. It's more going to be about, you know, the uh, intangibles about getting a win here. Because, like, I, I think I mentioned it yesterday or the day before on the uh, a preview episode was uh, uh, the review, excuse me. We're the better team here. No, I mentioned it on Club 34-7 tonight. Um, we're the better team here. We have clearly the better roster. 
So we should win this football game. We should. We are the better football team. But after what we did in Cleveland on Sunday, we don't know if that was an anomaly, a freak thing, or just the window to the world that is the 2021 Chicago Bears. We don't know what to trust. So, you know, you can't just go out there and say like, yep, well, the Lions suck. We suck less, so we'll win. No, it's it's not that easy, unfortunately. But uh, we'll talk a bit more about it uh, tomorrow night on the, uh, or tomorrow, I should say, on the, uh, the deep dive uh, preview and uh, dig into some more of this uh, Bears-Lions matchup. We'll get into the injury report, who's practicing, who isn't, and uh, what can we hope to look forward to on Sunday against the Lions besides uh, being at home. So come on back tomorrow for the deep dive preview. Get you ready for Bears-Lions on Sunday. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.